This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice Touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice Touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice Touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No podcast with Chad Ferguson. Hey, everybody, this is Chad in the I Want to Know podcast, a kick ask podcast. Notice how I over pronunciate. Mm-hmm. I'm here today with my friend Chelsea Restall, the uh, founder of Torchlight Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going? Good, 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 good. it's going good. How are you? 
I'm excellent. Now that I know that you are back up and running yeah. and you got shows coming up again, yeah. I'm yeah. super excited. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, We're you're excited. like the one and only around Airdrie that has... Uh, has live theater? Not the one and only. Where no. where there's actually a couple. There's Nose Creek Players, and they're the oh, community right. theater group, and they just actually wrapped up Frankenstein uh, last weekend. And then there's us. Yeah. So and then there's Bird Church Theater, but they're a little different. They bring in a lot of different acts. They're not necessarily <clears throat> totally local, but they're not producing them either, right? I don't think so. No, uh-huh. they like they. Um, Nose Creek Players is included within the Burt Church Theater kind of family series and stuff. Okay. So, but we're, it's like we say that like we're different levels of the same thing. So, like Nose Creek Players is like community and, and if you're a hobbyist and you're just trying it out. And then we like to say that we're emerging, like we're trying to bridge that uh, professional and amateur yeah. kind of area one day, hopefully to be fully professional. But, well, you have a lot of great actors that come in there. Yeah, you, we really do. You guys have raised up great actors inside Torchlight with your um, mentoring program, your, mm-hmm. your uh, teaching program. Yeah. Um, and then brought in some amazing people. Yeah, yeah. We had um, kind of a little praise report, if you want to call it that. Um, one of our young actors in the Spark program, his name is Dragos. Yes. And uh, he's right now in Vancouver at the uh, Vancouver Film School. So that's that kind of cool. That's very, very cool. I knew he would be. When you meet oh, him, yeah. there's nothing else he could do. Yeah. Like he's not going to be a construction worker or sitting in I mean, he could be if he wanted to be, but he's <laughs> he's the type, type of person who, um, like I always would say to him, you will go as far as you want to go. Yeah. Because he's good looking. He's really personable. He's very talented. He's very humble. Yeah. Very hardworking. So he has all like the right elements. There's like not a lot, there's no ego there. Yeah. So honestly, he will go as far as he wants to go. He's, he's got that like movie star look. Oh, yeah. His features are all big, right? The like, it thing, the <laughs> it quality. He really does. Yeah. You, when you look at uh, movie stars up close, they almost look like cartoons. Yeah. Right? Because they just bit. have accentuated features, mm-hmm. like bigger noses, they're more bulbous, or, you know, the. I don't even know if it's that. It's just, they just have like a really. Well, like maybe it sounds stupid to say a well balanced face. Like they say that um, symmetry. symmetry is what is the most appealing to the human eye. Yeah. And so often when you look at the beautiful people there, they have a lot of symmetry. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe society's getting away from that a little bit, but um, it's still yeah. the human eye is the human eye, right? <laughs> it's going to go with what it likes. So that's it. Yeah. What's yeah. It, there's, um, they talk about that. The, Face recognition. When people have okay. like plastic surgery, it changes how we see them as people. Oh, okay. Because we, even though it's subtle, it sticks out to us so much in our brains. You're like, mm, there's something wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, that's not normal. That's yeah. Not right. <laughs> even if it's a good job, it's still like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a movie with um, Meg Ryan and Annette Benning, And I think Annette Benning's like 10, 15 years old. I could be wrong, but I think she's a fair bit older than Meg Ryan. Yeah. And I don't know at the time, I don't think she'd had any plastic surgery done, but I think Meg Ryan has had quite a bit done. Yeah. And when you watch the two ladies on the screen, I was drawn more to Annette Benning because she looked natural and beautiful and she had a couple wrinkles and stuff. But then when you looked at Meg Ryan, you're like, Something's not you're right. so pretty. Why did you do that? Like, yeah. yeah. So she went too far. I think plastic surgery, if, if it makes you feel better, great. But I think there's definitely a... A limit. Joe Rogan does a joke. He goes, uh, I think it's Joe Rogan where he says, uh, why don't you scoop out the part of the brain that uh, 
control self-confidence and put it in your breasts. <laughs> That's essentially what you're doing. Oh, man. Uh, or something to that effect yeah. anyways. But Sounds about right. <laughs> it's, Sometimes. It's, it's funny when you see some people. And, he, yeah. you know, he was guilty of it as well. When uh, he was on news radio, he started losing his hair. So we went and got the hair implant surgery. Oh, yeah. And now he's got a massive scar on the back of his head. He has a shaved head all the time Oh, now. right. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, there's no hiding it now. That's yeah. that's what I did. But yeah. so scared you're not going to get that next job or... Oh yeah, I mean the acting industry, unfortunately, is is extremely visual. Like, yeah. it comes down to hair color, eye color, height, weight, build, you know, and then then it comes to chemistry between the actors, and so it's just this this whole visual industry. And and if you want to be in it, that's what it is. Like, yeah. sorry, you got to have that look. You've got to have yeah. that. You know, but you see people like um, shoot, what's her name um, from Misery. Uh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah. Like she's not um, a traditional beauty at all. But, but she's crazy talented. Yeah. And she fits like, I, I don't know. I can't really think of all the films that she's done, but her characters are very interesting characters. They can be very like Motherly complicated. And, and Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like, what's the one where she busts his That's leg? That's Misery. Misery, yeah. yeah. Like that one takes a certain type of performer, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't buy Michelle Pfeiffer necessarily doing yeah, that one right yeah. so john goodman's another one too that he plays crazy roles and yeah. you fully buy into yeah. it and he doesn't look like a traditional uh hollywood yeah. actor either the nice thing is i think it, it takes all sorts hi puppy oh, the dog we have a guest here hi <laughs> <laughs> i think the nice thing about film and and theater is yeah the the a-listers and the celebrities and stuff often they're these gorgeous you know godlike people yeah but to have a good movie or a good play, you need everyone. You need tall, short, thin, fat, funny, yeah. you know, not funny, because yeah. you want a realistic story. So there is absolutely a place for every body type, every Agreed. shape, whatever. Yeah. It's just that society seems to go, ooh, <laughs> A-lister, ooh, they're so gorgeous. But yeah. when you look at some of the really talented people... It's their talent that got them where they are, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Even some of those A-listers, they didn't make it just on their face. No, like, I mean, maybe the face got them in the door, but obviously yeah. they got some talent because no one stays around if you suck. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like what is, how many different roles has he played? And yeah. It just killed them. I yeah. w- I've been watching a lot of um, the Graham Norton show. Oh, okay, yeah, Do yeah. you know that? Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. I had no idea. I can't find it on Netflix or Prime or yeah. anything like that, so I've just been watching it on YouTube and, and my phone and that. But when you see the A-lister actors on there mm-hmm. and you start watching all the stuff they've done over the years, you're just yeah. blown away and, yeah. and how talented they are in... Um, what's his name? Chris Pratt was a was a model first, and he's like this phenomenal artist. Like he draws, yeah. And uh, so yeah, it's just all around talented. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I think you find a lot of those people um, are multifaceted, multi talented. I think because they have the the kind of work ethic and determination to do, either learn the skill or to keep going or to keep pushing through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are definitely some of those people who maybe they do make it like a one hit wonder where they got they lucked out and they got yeah. it, but. The the entertainment industry, I think, is a business more than necessarily just art. And so if you can't be really tenacious and just persistent yeah. and, and have staying power and have versatility, then you're not going to last very long, I don't think. Maybe. I'm even hearing now that if your social media isn't up, 
Like if you don't have good followings, oh. they're not going to bring you in to movies because they if it's yeah. not a a great movie, they yeah. need to boost it and make their money back somehow. Well, right? it's a marketing thing, right? So yeah. I remember I went to uh, um, a workshop on producing because I also make film as well. Well, I try to make film, <laughs> um, but the one guy was like, he was like, I'm going to be straight, like you. Doesn't matter how talented me, like how talented I am. Yeah, I have zero value in film. Because I have, I might be talented, I might be average looking or whatever, but people don't know who I am. Yeah. So um, when they're like, ooh, starring Chelsea Restall, people are like, who? Yeah. As opposed to starring Brad Pitt. Oh, okay, I know who that is. And so when you take my name to a bank for, yeah. a, for film backing, they'd be like, no. Because yeah. I have no social media cloud i have no you know, like no draw necessarily You're not the cash me outside girl yeah yeah <laughs> right she could probably get a film yeah just based on her social media film. yeah and i think a lot of them do that's why you have those reality stars right i don't yeah. think it's necessarily about sometimes it is but it's about the following right they'll yeah. people will pay to see those people even if they're not talented so yeah. I disagree with a guy that told you that. I could get where oh. you come from social media, but I think you're very talented. And oh, you well, could thank do you very anything. much. Thank Speaking you. of your talent, you have your first show in three years, two years. How long were you guys off? Oh, we were off for, let's see, we had our mousetrap was back in March of 2018. Yeah. So it's been about a year and a half okay, since we've been dark. So not too bad, not but... Too bad. It was a long dark year. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, we're back now, and we're in a, a new place called the Polaris Center for the Performing Arts. It is so amazing, that center. Yeah. When I left there, uh, on when you did your announcement of the place coming up this yeah. year, I went back and told everybody, but I'm like, you guys have <laughs> to check out every venue that goes there. Yeah. The technology that went into it, the design, mm-hmm. the... Um, forethought uh, where they want to take this yeah yeah uh, everyone's going to be hanging out at this theater i think so it's funny because right now um they're working on phase two but you know of course with building there's been delays and whatever but um this show so people who will come to see this show they probably won't see the theater as it it, it will be yeah um because they're still doing construction and stuff so we our set will be there it's going to be amazing but there'll be like pipe and drape covering areas <laughs> <laughs> like um, but yeah, you, everyone who's come there, they've walked in. Like when you drive up to it, it's an industrial building. Yeah. And when you drive up, you're kind of like, uh, am I in the right place here? Like, I don't yeah. know how many They're people. need some good signage. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know how many people have said, uh, if you wouldn't have told me that it was an industrial area, I would have turned around because I was pretty sure I was in the wrong <laughs> place. And I was like, no, no. But like everyone who opened the door were like, Ooh, like they really impressed with facilities. So it blows your mind when you get inside. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's what Alberta is. It's a bunch of pole barns that put business. Yeah, in. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we've done a bunch of spray foam in those buildings back okay. there, and we know exactly what they get put together. So yeah, they all look the same. They're just boxes. Yeah, yeah. But hey, great. Like I mean, we don't have that really well, anywhere. What other option is there? Like yeah. who's going to spend $50 million on a nice theater like you would see, you know, like the old theaters you see in Boston and yeah. New York and stuff like that? That would literally cost you a oh. a king's ransom yeah. to yeah. to build those things now. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like who has the money? Yeah. And even where's the space? Like if you can't be kind of forward thinking on your design, there's not a lot of buildings at work. Yeah. So to take I think it's right now it's two industrial bays. I think it ends up being three when it's done. Yeah. And and just make it work. Yeah. 
I think it's great. Well, and it's beautiful. It, it really, really is. The uh, the podcast studio is like, oh, I know. how well set up this is. And yeah. Me and my son are here taping stuff together <laughs> before you get in. And like, I can't find another extension cord. Where is it? Yeah. So yeah. we're looking forward to building a new studio. But uh, so what is the announcements for Torchlight this year? So the show that we have coming up uh, is Prescription Murder. And for those of you who are familiar with Columbo, this is the play that launched that TV. TV series, yeah. Uh, Peter Falk. For those of you who were alive <laughs> when it was around, I'm still too young to have watched it on the originals. They're classics. Everyone yeah. knows what you're talking about. Yeah, actually, it's surprising. Some people are like, "Hmm," yeah, and you're like, you know, the old de- detective. Oh, guy. I have to share this. So we were um, in rehearsals. We're rehearsing at the Player Center, and I've been bringing in props and everything so the the actors work with it. And one of the one someone comes up to me and they're like, um can you show me how to use the rotary phone? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. But it just dawned on me that there's a whole generation out there. Never saw They've one. never even seen a rotary phone, let right. alone knows how to use it <laughs> yeah. or like VHS or even CDs. Some kids are like, what the heck is a CD? And you're like, Oh my gosh. How someone, old are you? Did, someone did a video where they handed a kid a cassette tape. Yeah. I said, do you know how this works? And they're like, um, um, I think you turn and they had no yeah. idea how it worked. And I'm like, well, why would you? Yeah. I mean, there are probably people, well, I was going to say phonographs maybe that, that we don't know how to use, but I've seen those too. Like I've we seen one, but players. I don't really know how I would use a phonograph. Like record players, I know I use that. My parents had records and yeah. we used to live on an acreage when I was younger and we'd, <laughs> my parents on Friday nights would bring out their records and we'd blast Deep Purple and Pink <laughs> Floyd so loud that if there was neighbors, they'd call the cops, but we lived on an acreage, so it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good bands. Yeah. I've only, this is going to sound ridiculous, I've only recently like really got into music or started listening to music. Yeah. I've never listened to music for most of my life. Really? Yeah. I uh, I mean, it's always on. You've been to nightclubs and parties, but yeah. never cared what I was listening really? to. And now I'm like hooked on, um, well, Queen for one. Okay, like, yeah. Queen is amazing. Yeah. And uh, some of the older rock bands from the 70s and 80s that like Twisted Sister still. Oh, okay. And uh, Motley Crue and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Eagles. Oh, they're so, amazing. Okay, so I was at a play. I will not mention the name or the artist. And he like bashed the Eagles. And How I was you like, Bash the Eagles. <laughs> Don't even talk to me. Yeah, because the Eagles is like one of my favorites. And I can still be friends with you if you don't like them. That's fine, but yeah, don't. I don't know. Should you be friends with someone that doesn't like? No, I don't even know. I mean, I get it if it's just not your thing. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm like, I think because my parents listened to the old, well, the oldies, like '70s, '60s music. Yeah, my whole growing up, to me, that feels like my music as opposed to what's right. playing right now. But I had someone bash ACDC. They're like, they're all the same songs, and I'm like, how can you say that? I mean, I get the sound is the same. Yeah. You look at a picture uh, or uh, someone that does paintings, yeah. and you're like, oh, I know those are all so-and-so's paintings. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Right? They have like a feel and a style, yeah. Exactly, and that's all ACDC did. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really comment on... I know some of ACDC, and I do enjoy them. Yeah. But it's not like I've listened to all their records and all their yeah. songs to really be like, yes, I agree with him or <laughs> no. So I try to keep my opinion to myself on most topics. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I heard ACDC was in the movie Maximum Overdrive. 
Do you remember that? Vaguely. Where all the, um, some meteor, I think, hit Earth, and then all the inanimate objects that had motors and moving parts came alive. <gasps> so, like, all the big rigs were yeah, driving around, yeah. running over people, lawnmowers, oh like, pop gosh. machines. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Pop machines were launching cans at kids <laughs> and killing them. And <laughs> it's called Maximum Drive? Maximum Overdrive, I think oh. it's called. And what year was this in? Like, <sighs> is it... Older, right? Like I would guess like early 80s. Okay. Yeah. Chad, I wasn't even born in the early 80s. <laughs> Just so you know. Really? Yeah. When were you born? I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I was born in 83. Really? Now it's out there for the world. I can never I, lie about my age. I never, I never think about people not being born in the 70s. Oh, I know. And I don't like say, well, you look like you're born. I'm just like. Well, you had to be born somewhere around yeah. that's when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I was born early 70s. Though. Okay. Yeah, 72. No. I'm rolling up You're on so 50. old. Yeah. Oh. Three years away from 50. So what are you going to do for your 50th? Big party? Um, go travel somewhere? I'm thinking for sure around my 50th, maybe before I want a trip to Belize because that's where I want to retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I have a bunch of friends with properties down there. I want to check them all out, maybe purchase a property down there. Oh. I think that I would like to... If we get the podcast to the right spot where mm-hmm. we have the right sponsors, I might move my podcast down there and just set up a bunch of mini homes on yeah. a property. Yeah. And just fly people down for the podcast. Oh, so. well, you, I will be the first one that comes down there when <laughs> yeah. you're all set up. You, you can stay in my little handmade sea can home oh, on lovely. my property in the jungle and hey. uh, come do a podcast uh, once or twice a year. You just have to keep the spiders out and I'm A-OK. Yeah, I don't know what there is for spiders down there. It's not my um, worry, oh. though. I'm worried about Mm-mm. no snow, not having yeah. to dodge people on the deer foot yeah. when there's two inches of snow on the road. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's my biggest motivation right now. Yeah, I'll take the snow over spiders. Thank you very much. Really? Yeah, I saw... Mm. Uh, I I pray to God above that this was not a real video, <laughs> but it was in... I think it was in Australia. I, I don't even know if I can say it. Okay. The back, it was a ba- it was like someone parked in traffic and it was um, the trunk of a car and like this massive spider, like, oh, I can't even say it, like snuck in through the trunk into the car and I like screamed at work when I saw it. <laughs> I was done. I was done. My old boss made me right. cry. I'm going to tell you a spider story Mm-mm. from Australia. <laughs> I don't know if I can listen. Okay, it, I'll see if I can listen. It wasn't totally horrible. It was my first experience with a huntsman spider. I don't and even so think I want to know. What's they're about the size of a dinner plate. <sighs> so I was in um, uh, the northern part of Australia mm-hmm. uh, in Cape Tribulation, and we were staying in these like huts outside in the jungle, um, or the rainforest, I guess it's not a jungle. And there was a bar in the middle of it. It was all just for hostels for travelers like you just show up spend two or three nights there hanging out at the bar get some good food so anyways we get to the bar early with a bunch of guys and uh um had to go to the bathroom so i go in there and walk up to the urinal and as you start peeing i look around and like in the corner of the ceiling there was a spider like bigger than my hand and it's not moving Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. and so literally like midstream shut down (laughs) back away as, oh. as, as slowly and as cautiously I'm not a big oh. spider guy either And I go with uh, like I, I close myself up And I get back inside I'm like Dude there is a 
big effing spider in the bathroom. He's like, oh, it's just a huntsman. Don't worry about it. They're harmless. And turns out oh, they're harmless. Like yeah. They got no teeth or nothing. Oh. Um, they, they just eat all the little bugs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. But it's big. It's like Google Huntsman. No, <laughs> no, I will not Google Huntsman Spider. No, Chad. <laughs> There's this great video oh. of a guy showing a Huntsman, and what he's trying to do is get a bowl over top of it so he can slide a page in <laughs> and try to get the spider out of his house. Well, anyway, someone's edited it, so like Ezzy is about to throw the bowl over top of it, and it's like a big salad bowl yeah. that the spider jumps at <gasps> the camera. It scares oh. the pants out of me, and oh. I know it's coming, yeah. but it scares the pants yeah. off me every time. Okay, well, here's my story. Okay. So uh, I used to work at a church. And I was sitting there talking with one of the pastors about how much, like how much I hate spiders. Like I'm arachnophobic, mm-hmm. I would say, like even little tiny spiders. Paralyzing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm okay, but sometimes it's like, just talk to my dad. He's driven <laughs> over from the other side of the city to come kill a spider for me because yeah. I just can't handle it. Yeah. So I'm telling my old boss about this and um, <laughs> one of the other people hears about it. Yeah. And so I could hear him like snickering and then I get this email. And I was like, oh, I bet you there's going to be a photo of a spider in there. But I'm thinking I can click on it and decide if I want to open the image. Yeah. Well, I click on the email and my entire screen is this oh. massive spider. <laughs> I burst out crying. Like, like ridiculously so. Uh, like not like pastor feel bad, oh my, oh, my gosh. Well, wait. He, he comes around the corner yeah. and he's like snickering and he sees me. And he's like, oh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and it was exactly weird. I exactly you're talking about. Yeah. I, it's weird because it wasn't like I was traumatized or like really upset. It was like uh, an instinctual response to what I saw. Yeah. And now I feel like there's something on my neck and uh, <laughs> we need to change subject because I hate spiders so much. All right. Tell us talk about Colombo mm-hmm. and uh, There's no spiders in Colombo. <clears throat> prescription murder. Uh, yeah. So prescription murder. It's a really cool story. It's actually kind of um, a murder mystery and what did they call it? Um, it's not a whodunit. Yeah. It's... Um, would you describe it? You know right off the top the okay. crime. So it's watching the detective figure it out okay. and watching the the criminal try to cover his track and everything. Very cool. So you know right off the top yeah. what's going on. Uh, and originally, Prescription Murder was written and it was all about the villain, yeah. Dr. Fleming. Um, and then when it toured back in the 60s, uh, by the time it actually made its way to Broadway, the Columbo character became such a huge, people just loved him yeah. that when they decided to make a TV series of it later on in late in the 60s, it was the Columbo TV series. Very cool. Yeah, because they love that technique of like, oh, the audience knows. Yeah. Can the detective figure it out? Yeah. So, and Columbo, he's a great character. He's kind of this off the top, you'd be like, he's a bumbling, you know, kind of slow Mr. Magoo type yeah, person. Yeah, not very sharp or whatever. And yeah. then as the story goes on, you realize, oh, <laughs> he's a lot sharper than you thought he was. So, nice. yeah, and we have some really good actors. Um, it's directed by Amber Bissonnet, and she's a local artist in Calgary. She's been on Theatre Calgary and Stage West and stuff like that, and she's out working with us. And then we have um, a seven-person cast. Nice. And it opens on November. Is this the largest cast you've done? Mm. It's got to be close. I think our largest was the one where eight. you played the mom. That, that was only was, four. Was it? Yeah, yeah Border right. Town Cafe was yes, four. Yes. The largest one would have been either Scrooge or or Mousetrap. So yeah. I think maybe nine might have been our largest. Okay. But yeah, is it more difficult when you have more people? Um, 
depends. I mean, some of the challenges that you face when you have larger casts is, is your stage big enough to handle that many people on stage. Yeah. Um, and then like costuming definitely costs more to costume, but not, not dramatically really. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest challenge is finding the right people to perform. Um, we've been very, very blessed in the last little while that when we put an, uh, an audition call out, we have some really fantastic artists that come out. And so we, we've, been pretty thrilled with our cast so far yeah so that's good but it's it's interesting because um when i pick a season i i try to keep in mind what the set should like what is uh, involved in the set yeah. and i try to keep in mind like who i'd be casting or whatever and this one because of the timing of when we got the facility when we found out when we wanted to launch when we had to start uh, auditions and rehearsals i kind of was a, a little bit pressured to find a season so <laughs> So I'm like, okay, this is a great one. People know Columbo. I really like it. Awesome. And then we start working through like the set yeah. and like casting. And it's like, this is the hardest set to do. <laughs> There's like three locations. And how do you do three locations? And then the space, because it's been been kind of uh, fluctuating with size and stuff, we're like trying to figure it out. And, yeah. and so there's there's like a riser in it. And, and it's like not hard, but it's hard. Yeah. You'll understand because you're going to help me build it. Uh, so. I know. I was just going to uh, say that I, I've, I think for most of your sets, probably well, at least half of your sets oh, yeah. have been part of the build. Yeah. So and uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy yeah. doing it. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're going to be have this out on time. I'm trying to think of when we're uh, releasing this. If we oh, can okay. um, poke and prod at people to give us a space. Yeah. Oh, we did, have a space. you got a space. Yes. Awesome. We actually on Saturday, uh, my dad is a real estate agent. And one of his clients uh, has this phenomenal workshop on their property, which is like five minutes away from the player center. Nice. And so they, they're like, yeah, sure, you can use it. So we actually have heat. Beautiful, yeah. nice, warm shop yeah. to build in. So when's it start? Uh, the building? Yeah. Uh, next, Probably next week. We have to talk about okay. this we'll because do I don't want to be like, oh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and it needs to be done by the end of the week. No, yeah. no. No, we have a bit of time still, but yeah. But then the other show in our season for uh, Torchlight is a show called The Rainmaker, mm-hmm. and that's in the spring. Uh, but it has six men. Okay. And it, you might be like, oh, okay, six men, whatever. But when you do shows... I would say probably 80% of people that come out to audition are women yeah, and maybe 20% are men. So when you have a show that have six men and one woman <laughs> and your ratio is reversed, yeah, it's very challenging to cast those shows. Have you started casting for it? Not that one. No, okay. that one will probably, I have to talk with our director, but maybe December, January we'll do auditions. Yeah. But, and, um, and it's not even that, like sometimes you have great actors that come out, but they just don't. They just don't suit the role, like, and yeah. and you don't want to just give it away, right? You want to make sure you have the right actor for the right of role. Of course, yeah. So that that's a bit challenging too, but there just seems to be more women out there trying to make a go of the art, and yeah. not as many men, but whatever. And so, what's Rainmaker about? Rainmaker is so this one. Columbo's a murder mystery. Rainmaker is just like a really heartwarming little comedy drama. Cool. Uh, it takes place in the drought in 1930s ish. So some some people might recognize it. Um, it was a movie with Katherine Hepburn in it. Hmm. And it's about this girl. She's getting a little bit older in age. And um, her dad and her two brothers, she lives with them. 
And um, they're all worried about her because she's getting older. And you got to think of the time period, right? In the 30s and stuff. Yeah. But her one heart's desire is to be married. Yeah. But she's kind of jaded about it because it's not happening. And so she's like, ah, I don't need it. I don't want it, whatever. <laughs> but so the brothers and the dad are kind of desperate. So they're trying to like get her to go out with people and go visit people and stuff. And then in the midst of it, this... Um, this uh, traveling salesman comes by saying, if you give me $100, I can make it rain. And, he, and the dad is like, you know what? Sometimes you just have to take a chance on people. And so he knows it's a scam, yeah. but he still um, pays the guy the $100 and they do all the wacky, crazy things. <laughs> and it's like, he, I think it's um, within the story, there's a guy that the, the daughter likes, but she's just afraid to to let him know because she's been hurt so many times. Yeah. And so it's like the dad saying, you need to take a chance on something. Yeah. So I know this rainmaker is like a charlatan, but I'm going to take a chance on him. <laughs> and so, uh, the rainmaker makes him do crazy, silly things, but then the rainmaker also helps her kind of realize how special she is. And, yeah. and so it's, it's totally different than a murder mystery, right? It's really just a charming kind of romantic love story. And Very cool. I don't even know if people are going to come to it, of but it's amazing. Th- this is the thing. Like I'm, uh, I, I like movies. I, I'm okay with TV, but live theater is something that it's it's a one time experience, yeah. right? When you show up, even if you watch the same play three nights in a row, yeah. you're going to get something different every single yeah. time that you see it, and yeah. that's what I love about theater is the the little giggle or something. Cause a bunch of your plays I've seen a pile of times, and yeah. of course um, I've watched them rehearse over and over and over again, yeah. and then when it all comes together, it's just this amazing special thing that that you never forget, right? Yeah, movies you're like you don't even have to put that much effort into them because if you make them shiny and bright and whatever yeah but theater is live people yeah and it, 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 i don't know i'm i'm always amazed when i see it yeah i think theater one of the charms of theater is that they you can't recreate the moment mm-hmm. and you shouldn't recreate the moment like sure within a script you have like okay this has to happen this has to happen but how it happens Ideally, you want it to be really organic and natural between the people on stage, right? Yeah. So one night you might have a scene where uh, maybe they get into fits of giggles and you're just like, whoa, but it's the truth of what's happening in the scene. And the next night, maybe they cry. Yeah. And not often is it that varied in what you're seeing, but I think that is a beautiful thing that every night, at least for a performer... If you're really committed to the work and digging into the character, you can have these new discoveries in every performance. That's so cool. Yeah, and I think that's why often when when shows run a little bit longer, um, when you go to like the tail, like maybe the midway uh, shows, they can be quite different than the show that started, right? Because the actors have had little discoveries and little um, aha moments, right? Like, and that's the greatest when you're like, you've been working something and it's not connecting, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh. Oh, I know what this is supposed to be now. That that's the beauty of it. I think live theater, you know, live performance by bands, by singers, mm-hmm. comedians are all the same thing. Is that you're never going to get the exact same show, and it's always um, evolving yeah. every every single show into something more and more yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and I think film actually, um, it. I think the thing is when they do the takes and stuff, they, someone else is deciding what's the best moment. Right. Which which is cool too. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I love movies. Yeah. yeah. But theater, yeah, it's a very different experience, right? Because it's you getting to watch a, a visceral person have an experience as opposed to you watching a screen yeah. of someone's recorded 
I find it more emotional when I'm there. Like you can watch a mm. movie and see something really sad, and you're like, ah. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a room with a bunch of people and they're all sad at the movie, then it's a little <laughs> bit more. But live, yeah. you've got, you know, 50, 100, 250 people. Yeah. And then the emotion of the actors is yeah. coming because you're right live in yeah. front of them. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how how differently it affects people, right? Yeah. Like some people will see a show and and they just lose it. Like they're so upset and they're so sad. And other people are just like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. I don't get why that, like it was fine, but it, you know, like, and I think that's the thing about art. It's so subjective. Like yeah. it just really depends on where you're at and what your day was like. And yeah, yeah. I, I've had lots of comedians on and, and actors and actresses and singers and stuff like that. And what always amazes me is how tough they are because you're being judged at, mm-hmm. at every turn. There's, yeah. you know, people, even if they don't like it, it shouldn't matter yeah. because there's people that are not, but that has to affect mm-hmm. your work and how you feel. And, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that my professors always said in university was you have to have a thick skin. Like if you're someone who you can't take the critiques, yeah. um, you're just not going to be feeling very good. Right. And, that's, and I think that's a huge thing about acting too, is that you need to be able to take the critiques. Like if you're doing something and especially if you're asking for it, right. If you're going to an audition or you're going into a production or whatever, and you're opening yourself up in that performance and they give you feedback, like, well, I didn't buy this or I didn't believe this or what were you doing there? Yeah. The one thing, and I know it's hard to, to stop yourself sometimes, but I hate it when I hear, Oh, but I was, this is what I was doing. This is what I was trying to do. And it's like, no, no, no. You're the actor. Your job is to create the vision that the director wants to see. So if they're yeah. telling you, I'd like to see this, you don't need to explain to them what you were trying to do necessarily. Because you should have been. Yeah. Or because they saw it. Yeah. Maybe they thought, yeah, that's fantastic. Not what I want. I want this. Yeah. So it, what I try to do, and even though the voice is like, no, no, but this is what I was doing. This is what I was doing. I try to just bite my tongue and be like, great, take yeah. the note, go vent to someone else, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you have to have a thick skin because as an artist, you're, you are a product, right? Yeah. You're a brand. Um, I go, uh, I have a friend named Peter Skagen and he does, um, audition hell workshop. And I always recommend it to all my friends for film acting. Yeah. And he does Sorry, this. Sorry, what's it called again? Uh, his name is Peter Skagen, and it's Audition Hell. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but he does a session in that where they put you on a camera, and they say, "Okay." And he asks the class, and I don't know if he still does it this way, but I think so. But he asks the class, like, "Tell me what features stand out. Tell me who you'd Ooh. buy her as. Like, so yeah. like what kind of things." So I remember the one time I did it, um, I got. I had really great lips. Like, it's not a weird thing. It's like very uh, factual. Yeah. She's got great eyes. She's got great lips or whatever. Um, she looks a little bit older on camera. She looks a little bit younger on camera. But then they'd go to like, okay, well, what kind of characters could she play? And so with mine, I got like the the girl next door, not as in the sexy thing, but like literally your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> the person over the fence kind of. I got um, the single mom with three kids who can clean up nicely. <laughs> but the best one that I got and this one, I was like, I live on, like, I'm happy about this one. Yeah. Uh, Peter said, you are the, in a horror film, you're the last person to die Ooh. because you sacrifice yourself to save <laughs> the hero in the show who's really not the hero. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I will take that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but it's funny because if you want to be the ingenue or the the leading lady all the time, yeah. we're not all that. Yeah. Like, 
And it's not to say that you can't be in a role where your cell is that, but yeah. you have to know what your product is. You have to know how to market yourself and that you have totally to be okay with that. Yeah. I, I met people that are, you know, <coughs> they say they're something or they try to be something that they're not even yeah. close to. And it's, it's just not authentic. Right. Yeah. And, and there's some great actors. I think they could probably do any role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, that's that's not everybody. Yeah, that would be hard to do though. I cannot imagine standing in front of a room of people and have them just at, at forty, almost thirty-seven. I'm just losing my ego enough now that oh, I don't okay. get angry when someone you know says, "Oh, you made a mistake." Yeah, yeah, I did. All right, yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that now. But I'm just getting there. Yeah, and it wasn't like it's not like a judgment thing in that when and it was a couple of years ago that I took the class. But I just remember it was like, okay, well, what what is a what's one of our great features like what's something that's like oh that's really good because it's a visual thing right like you want to know um what stands out hey, yeah the dog's got, doesn't <laughs> quite make it on camera i was hoping his head would pop up there but no go <laughs> i swear i'm petting a dog right now <laughs> um but it's like what's what's a something that is a, a bonus to your palette i guess right so yeah. um and i think i've been pretty good i mean i I haven't been cast a ton. I'm an, I'm an unusual look and I'm too tall. And so I get a lot of thanks, but no thanks kind of. Yeah. But, and you know, you, you get the re- rejection and it's, I've been very lucky. It hasn't been like, I've had some friends who've had some pretty bad, like rude rejections and mm. mine are just like, nope, sorry. Yeah. It's not what we're looking for. And even with that, I mean, yeah, you take a hit. It <laughs> takes a day or two to be like, I'm the worst actor ever. But then you move on and you're like, no, they just said no, that I didn't have the right look. And I can't yeah. be anything than what I am. That's right. So I know what my product is. I know what my brand is. And sometimes I audition outside of that and sometimes I don't. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Did you ever hear what Chris Rock said about that? So he, I think it might have even been a Grand Norton uh, show. He was sitting on a couch and the lady, the actress, I don't remember who it was, was saying the same thing. Like, I would never audition for a job that, that I wasn't actually lined up to do. Yeah. Like, that, what didn't fit me? And uh, Chris Rock says, I'll, I'll take a role as a six-year-old girl <laughs> if it gets me paid. I don't care yeah. what it is. Yeah. And just shameless in what he would do. Yeah. And then yeah. just obviously both sides of the thing. Well, hey, if you can get it. It. Like well, that, I've, I've it. always thought, like sometimes you see those movies where you're like, "How did that get made? It's so terrible." But then yeah. you're like, "Good on you," because somehow you got money, you got a producer. That's it. They got paid to do something they love, and whether it turned out great or not great, I mean, I get paid to do a job. And I'm not always awesome at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will happily play a six year old boy if someone wants me to play that role. I'll, it, although, no, I would not be very no. good. Well, that's the thing. Some people are like completely shameless, and yep. I think that's okay. And other people are like, "No, I want to do the stuff that's yep. going to." highlight me best and uh, that's that's great too yeah Yeah. and i found with with getting older like when i was younger it was all about i want to be famous i want to be the blockbuster film i want to be the leading lady like all that stuff that all kids feel like that right and i'm sure my parents thought i would grow out of it and sometimes i wonder if they're like come on chelsea grow out of it but (laughs) no they're very very supportive but um as i get older i find that the stories that i want to tell the story matters so much more than than the fame or the I mean, I don't even want, like, fame is not good. Like, yeah. if you look at a lot of the famous people, I can't imagine they're, they're extremely happy because they have no privacy. They have no... I think it's a small percentage with the amount of podcasts I list, listen to with really, really famous people on mm-hmm. it. Like, they, some of them hate it. They're like, yeah. this was a curse. Yeah. Like, the money is nice, all that's nice, yeah. but it's not what I really wanted. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so I found as as I've gotten older, um, I'm a writer as well. I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker, <laughs> I'm an actor. Um, but I want to tell stories that I'm passionate about. And I've been in a couple shows over my career where I was really excited to be a part of it, and I'm so glad that I was. But the stories weren't things that I really loved. Like, not that they were bad or good or anything, they just weren't ones that I really connected with. Yeah. And I enjoyed those experiences for what they were, but the experiences where the stories I really connect with, oh, yeah. that's that's where it's at. Like, I could care less if I'm famous. I just want to make my stories. I want to be famous. Just look, I'll look right. I want to be famous. So yeah. if you're watching, make me famous. <laughs> make him famous, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'd be terrified of it. <laughs> yeah. It would last for a week, and you'd be like, and I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to go back to work and yeah. do what I like to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling you beforehand, I signed up with an agent mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. One, I would love to do some voiceover work. Yeah. I would love to take a shot at acting because uh, I did a bunch of it when I was in high school. I yeah. did four years of drama and, and then girls got more important than of course. Did. <laughs> so I got led down a different path. But uh, now that uh, I've been able to watch you guys and, and see additions, I've done a little bit of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a better place from a confidence standpoint and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I would I would definitely take the time to go do a yeah. role. So I thought, oh, let's go get an agent and see what happens. Yeah. Literally... The day after, or two days after, they called me for a role. And oh, it was really? uh, three day, and I couldn't get out of work. Oh, so shit. Yeah. Freaking work. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and work is important to me. It has oh, to come yeah. first because, yeah. you know, I, I can't give up my job for three days of acting. Oh, um, but I, I speak my language. <laughs> yeah, I, I told the agent, I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I'll message, but. I'm the boss. I, yeah. I'm the general manager. So I know yeah. what needs to be done. Yeah. I can't just blow it all off. So I was like, if you give me two weeks notice, yeah. I could make it work, but not a day and a half. Yeah. And, and that happens. Like you get both. Um, my agent, she, because of my work situation, and I'm so thankful for my job. Like, of course, in this economy, everyone who has a job is thankful for yeah. it. But she knows that I don't have flexibility to be like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to, I can take the day off. Like, I just don't have it. Yeah. So she stopped submitting me for stuff that needed a 24-hour turnaround. Yeah. But she still submits me to, like, the film, the bigger films. Because most bigger films, there's some leeway. Like, you'll know, like, a week or two in advance. That's what Wendy said. So yeah. I signed up with Faces of Wendy. And uh, she, she's like, don't be afraid. Like, we're not putting you on the bottom of the list because you said no. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, good. You're and, blacklisted. And she's like, most of the time, if it's a real role, it's three, four months of notice. And then you'll spend, you know, four, six weeks. Yeah. And I, I can even get that amount of time off. I usually got that much in overtime. <laughs> sitting in the bank yeah. so um i would just have to arrange things so i could do it and you know work part-time and yeah. do the acting thing on the side so yeah i would totally do it um uh, the only thing that i haven't done is uh looked for more classes to take again peter skagen peter audition skagen. hell that sounds horrible no 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 <laughs> i'd Pe- punch peter skagen right in the no face. you wouldn't <laughs> peter's a lovely guy he's worked in calgary for a long time he's well known by probably every casting director and every okay. agent yeah and um he's been on probably almost every show that's come through town whether it be a bigger role smaller role cool. um and he's just really chill like he's really He's there to help you. He's there to yeah. help you discover how you are on camera, to make you more comfortable, to kind of take the the mystery. Uh, mystery. Thank you. Yeah. Mystery <laughs> off of what the audition room's like and what 
to yeah. expect. That's a very cool thing. Yeah. And so I highly recommend anyone who's kind of like coming into the business. Definitely. Yeah. It's just a weekend workshop. It's usually a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes cool. he has shorter ones, but yeah. he's got a couple different. He's got audition one and two, and then he had scenes. Maybe I'll invite him on the podcast and get him to Ooh. do it right here and just like judge me on camera. Yeah, <laughs> you should. He actually has a book out right now. I'm sorry, Peter. I can't remember the name of your book. <laughs> Well, that's it. We're shutting the yeah. show down. Sorry, sorry. No, but it's about it's about like everything they don't tell you about Hollywood and Very how to cool. be and and um, what the auditioners are expecting to see and all that kind okay. of stuff. So that's the thing that I was most amazed at at doing the podcast was that all these people I thought were rich and famous and not like you know Brad Pitt famous, mm-hmm. but you know they they've been on Hell on Wheels or they got a band yep. or they do whatever. I'm like most of them are working regular jobs yeah. and just doing what they love. Yeah. And I think that's very, very cool yeah. that, that you can do both. And it encouraged me. I was like, why don't I just sign up for more stuff? Yeah. I suck at the stuff I do now. I can suck <laughs> at other stuff. No. Maybe if you get, well, I think I do. And and so every time I do a podcast, I rate it and I'm like, all right, I could do that better. Yeah. I shouldn't have done this. And you just catalog that yeah. stuff. And so that's good time. though, right? That's it kind is. of like yeah. having that thick skin to be able to assess like, did, what did I do good? Yeah. What did I do bad? Like I know some actors who they can't watch themselves on camera and I'm different. Like when, when a project comes out, I want to see it because I can be like, Ooh, that was good. Or, Oh my gosh, they picked that shot. Really? (laughs) That can be burned, but it's good to know, right? Like what, what didn't I like about that? Why didn't I like it? Was it because I wasn't connected to my scene partner? Was it because I was struggling for lines? Like film is, can often be a really quick turnaround. I did a project uh, just recently where we got the script, I think, a couple days before we had to shoot it. And there was a oh, lot wow. of, like, medical jargon. <laughs> and oh. so it's like, uh, okay. And I had the word right, and then the other actor had it wrong, and then he started saying it wrong, and then I couldn't say it right. It was horrible. <laughs> but but you can see that, right? You can see if someone's grasping for words on camera as opposed to just kind of flowing. Right. So I think having that really critical eye of yourself, not as a, oh, I'm terrible, and oh, yeah, you shoot don't need, me. I don't do that yeah. stuff. It's just that, like, oh, I could do that better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, I need to make sure next time my lines are better. I need to do my beats more. I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah. Um, and then also recognizing, no, I did that good. That was that was great. You know, yeah. and, and being really even across both sides, right? Yeah. Positives and negatives. Yeah. So. I just uh, recently started doing more public speaking, so I, I hosted church, and they, okay. they, they let me do a five for five, so I got to speak for five minutes on a, on a subject. Okay. And uh, so the five for, well, I did one hosting, and I did the five for five, and so I didn't have much chance, and a little bit of stage fright going on okay. when I was up there, um, but I was super judgmental on myself. Of course, church people are always like, oh, you did great. I'm yeah. like, shut up. Yeah, I know I didn't do great. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can't, even though they're being nice, yeah. not, I shouldn't bash on them, but come on, just give me a little criticism. Even I know it was bad. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but what I'm at now that I've done it enough times is that I can feel the audience now. My timing's yeah. not good, yeah. and I'll say something, and uh, I can't anticipate what they're thinking or feeling mm-hmm. yet, but uh, at least now I'm feeling it. So I'll say something, and I'll already be in the next thing, and they've laughed. And I'm like, oh, you're stupid. Like, why didn't you give that a half a second yeah. so that they could have their laugh, yeah. and then you can move on? Well, and they always say that in theater, too, is like, listen for the laugh. If they're laughing, don't try to ram your line over it. Like, let it. And then yeah. sometimes, though, it's like, okay, they, they're laughing too long. Like, we're losing the flow of the show. I remember <laughs> one thing um 
in a play I was in. Did you see uh, Move Over Mrs. Markham? Yes, yeah. that was phenomenal. Yeah, so there was there was action. The story was taking place in front, and then behind this actress was um, myself and another guy, and we're doing our little shtick or whatever. Um, and I can't remember what happened, but something happened where one of, I think myself and another one, we started to break like we started to get the giggles <laughs> and it just set the audience off and then you're losing the story so that's not very good but i mean the audience loves it because it's hilarious and right i think it was our closing night show but yeah that was a great play and that that is funny when i did my five for five um i had practiced it a ton mm-hmm. like i didn't have it completely memorized so i still had my notes in yeah. front of me um and i had, i knew i had a few funny lines in there and i got down to the the last thing i was saying and i said something and everybody burst out loud yeah and i got the joke because they laughed i didn't know oh. it when i wrote it when i did it i went oh that is pretty funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it, yeah, it's fun learning something new and and sucking at something again yeah. and getting up there and just forcing yourself. To yeah, it, so. and the more you do it, the more comfortable comfortable you get with it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I hope I never get comfortable with it because I think, mm. like, I think there's I like the nervousness. I like the the stress of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I don't think that necessarily ever goes away. Good. I know that when I um, perform, the moments before opening, so like with Mousetrap, we would be behind the set and, and I was the first one on stage. And like three, five minutes before the show, I'm a, I'm like, sweet Jesus, all like I'm praying and I'm like speaking in tongues and whatever because I'm so nervous. But yeah. once I get on the stage, then it's gone. Then that's, it's into the thing. And I think that's because um, my one professor said, you're so nervous because it's important. If you're not nervous, yeah. it's not important enough. I've stopped using nervous and say excited now. Yeah. Because I'm backstage, I'm jumping up and down. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like waving my arms and like trying, trying, to, trying to exercise. And yeah. like, come on, burn this energy up before yeah. you get on stage. And then we had a real, um, so this, this weekend I was hosting and, I was with another lady and uh, the last song was on right before we were supposed to go out and host. And it was like this, we hadn't heard the song before and it was this massively upbeat song. So we're like, okay, let's pump up the energy. We're going to get out there. We're going to, yeah. and then the song crashed. Like it went in from like this, oh, like no. super, super exciting to like this really mellow, almost melancholy oh, song. No. And so I'm like getting all revved up and I'm like, What's happening to the song? <laughs> and I'm looking at the lady, and I'm like, uh, "How do I dial this back now?" Because yeah. yeah, but I ended yeah. up dialing it back, and it was yeah. fine. <laughs> See, what you do that to me, that's more intimidating. Okay. To to try to to know kind of the gist of what you're gonna say, but yeah. then to kind of have to just flow with it. And, yeah. Like, give me. That's the thing. My mom used to always say. She's like, "You were so shy when you were young." why acting? And I said, because someone is telling me exactly what to say mm. and I already know exactly how I'm going to say it and how I'm going to feel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to public speaking, my hands are like, <laughs> like shaking That's so awesome. bad. I remember I had to do, um, the Rotary has this great thing called the D- Dragon's Den that they do for yeah. not-for-profits and they give money away, but you have to give a, like, I think it's a one or two minute spiel about okay. your thing. Yeah. And I remember... I went there and I, I wrote it all out, but then I real like, and they have a clock. So I think they had a clock or maybe I had a clock or whatever and it's counting down and I start getting faster and faster and faster and faster and my paper's shaking so bad. And at the end I was like, uh, I think someone said, oh, I can't even remember, but they made a comment about, okay, that was, I don't know what you said, but that was great. Like I was so fast. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, yeah, because I was trying to cram it in in that two minutes, and I was so nervous, and my yeah. hands shake so bad. And I get to the point where my knee starts to shake, and when that happens, it's like, oh, my gosh, just where's the cane? And just pull me off. Kind of yeah, I, um, I felt that before uh, when I was in school uh, taking acting that yeah. – you're trying to do something you've never done before and you're sucking at it horribly and you're just like, I hope I die. Yeah. Like just, I want it to go away. Yeah. Yeah. My slip fell off during mousetrap. <laughs> Not off. It fell halfway down my leg oh, no. uh, in the middle of an argument in a scene. And normally what they say, if it happens, what do you do in real life? Yeah. And in that moment I was like, well, I can't really tell how low it is and I don't know what I just pull it off. And so I'm trying to have this argument in the scene Yeah. and I'm trying to like, like, sneakily pull my slip up through my dress <laughs> and so I shift our blocking behind the couch yeah. but um, we were supposed to be all over the place and I was like nope not moving <laughs> oh my gosh oh and then that show we had an adjudicator who was giving like a review on it right and she's like the only slip I saw was hers and I was like oh uh, thank you so much for that <laughs> so I uh, uh, this, uh, this is my last self-deprecating thing so we were talking about a pastor came in and talked about um, unwinding your grave clothes so when okay. um, um, someone raised from the dead, in about, I can't remember the story. Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus. That when he came out, they had to unwise his grave clothes. And yeah. that was like opening them up to everybody. And yeah. so I was saying at our care corner, everyone prays for you, that I wanted to say, you know, come down and release your grave clothes. And I said, air your dirty laundry. <laughs> And as I said it, I'm looking down, like, I hope the pastor's not watching this. And I I didn't want to cry. No, no, sorry, that's not. So I just went with it and kept going. And then I walked off stage and I'm like, air your dirty lawn. That's what you do. And I was so mad at myself. Sort of. You can make it work. You can make it work. Sometimes I think it's better just to to play it because people will go, did he? Oh, no. No, I don't think so. Oh, that must have been me, right? I just kept plowing through. I'm like, I'm not stopping now. Oh, that's hilarious. Air your dirty laundry. Yeah. Come on the podcast and air your dirty laundry. (laughs) There you go. Oh, Uh, man. Third play. Or so you got two more. So You said two. um, So Columbo is in November. And then we actually have the Spark Youth Programs production in Mm -hmm. between our two shows. Okay. So the kids are doing The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Very cool. It is a dense play when i was reading it i was like this is good but i was like this is like challenging stuff and so i was a little hesitant to do it but our spark performers are pretty good like they're pretty talented most have been with you for a while now a lot of them have yeah yeah Yeah. some of them are are i don't know if they'll be auditioning because they're in other shows and stuff so always i'm like no they're mine give them back (laughs) but i want them to go out there and to to experience all the different theater and stuff but um I was talking with the director and she's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty dense. I'm like, I know. But when I pulled it from, to read it, it was in the middle school section. Okay. So I'm like, if they think, I mean, it's been done by other middle schools, so they must think that they can do it. So I'm like, okay, good luck. It's just a little more work to get uh, tied in or dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like the language is a little bit like old. So like some of the ways that the characters speak and stuff, you're just like... Ooh, interesting, but it'll be good. Yeah, I'm not really selling it very well right now. Am I? The kids have always been good. So the first uh, Spark program that we saw, I'm trying to remember which one that was. The very first one? Yeah. The very, very first one we did was the Snow Queen. Right. And that was with uh, Macy and Wyatt. Yes. And when they did Robin Hood, Robin Hood was great. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Like it, it was a believable play with kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because we had, um, so they had. Uh, fight choreography that they got to do in that program. Yeah. And um, I remember, I can't remember 
which alderman it was, but someone came up and was like, ah, I wasn't expecting it to be that good. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> but, but it was, it was a good show. And I kind of feel like that the, the kids or the youth, I should say, they're yeah. not kids. Um, they're not baby goats. They're not baby goats. <laughs> um, they, they're talented. Like they're a group of very talented students. Yeah. And so the show, even though it's a spark youth program and the show's performed by people between the ages of 11 and 17, yeah. do not let that be like, Oh, I'm not going to see it. Cause you're going to get as good as what you're going to see on the main stage. Away, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we try to give them all the elements of the whole production, costume sets, sound lights, everything. So, yeah. so is there another one or is it the, the, the two, the uh, prescription murder, the root, not rainbow. Uh, <laughs> There's a rainbow on the poster. <laughs> the Rainmaker. Rainmaker yeah. and then the Spark program. Those, yeah, those are the three this year. Yeah. Um, I think as we go and, and you know, um, being dark for a season, yeah. uh, we have to get our audience to come back to let them know that we're still... Yeah. Let them know that we're still around. Everyone's used to the noise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bonk, bonk, bonk. Um, And, you know, get our sponsors back on board and get all that kind of stuff back on board. So we felt that this year doing two main stage shows and the one Spark show would be a good start. And also the the center has other um, groups in there too, right? They have the Dance Academy in there. They have uh, the Symphony Orchestra. So all the scheduling has to be arranged um, for all the companies that are resident companies there. Yeah. I would say that ours is probably the most challenging because we require that week of tech and then we run for like two weeks. Yeah. As opposed to the symphony, they do a really cool thing where they come in. You're so you're still only getting two weeks? Like it is Um well we're we doing more than we used to. So okay. we used to do four. We used to do the one weekend and then Mousetrap, the last show we did before he moved out of our old place, we did the four and then two, so we, we came over for the next weekend. Right, and so this time we're doing eight. Nice. And I think I think we could do more, but I need to know where our audience is at and what our numbers are before I'm like, yes, let's do four weeks or whatever. Yeah. So we're gonna see how um, how the audience responds with these eight shows, and and then there's the potential of having like a Sunday matinee and all that kind of stuff cool. as well. So. Is the theater helping you guys with marketing and stuff like that as well, or do they have a marketing program there? Um, they, they definitely share the stuff that we have and they definitely, nice. there's posters and stuff, but I pretty much do all the marketing. Yeah. For <laughs> I also do props and uh, I help with set design and I also do writing. <laughs> You're like a, a pro business owner. It's just, you do all the jobs. I am, I've literally taken on the like jack of all trades, master of none. Like for me. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll master something one day, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I can do relatively well, yeah. and which is fortunate because um, I don't pay myself, <laughs> and I'd have to pay someone else to do it, so I just do it myself right now. Yeah. Um, but you, I don't know a lot about it, so. Are you acting in any, any of these? Um, I would love to, but this season, with it being a new space and um, having to kind of bring our audience back, bring our sponsors back and stuff... I just kind of felt like it would be too much mm-hmm. to kind of take on. And with um, the show's going really well, but there has been a lot of like, ooh, we didn't think about that, or this is different, or oh, that's new. Um, I think it's just good for me to be available to kind of troubleshoot anything that comes up just to make sure that our audience yeah. has the best experience. Was there any roles that you would have liked to if you were more established? Well, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, we had talked about doing um, Columbo as a woman. Okay. Um, and moving the time period up to uh, the 90s. Yeah. So I had actually gone back to the um, 
publishers to see if we could get permission because every time you make even the slightest change in a script, you're supposed to get permission first. Yeah. But because our timeline was so tight, um, we just didn't have the time to really explore that. Yeah. Um, but I would have that would have been really cool to play Columbo. Fun, yeah. I think that would have been very very different and. Who knows, maybe in the future we'll look at doing something like that. But it's funny because it was like two weeks ago. So we'd already been in rehearsals for like a month or a month and a half. I finally heard back from the publishers and they're like, yeah, go for it. And I'm like, well, thanks. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but yeah, I think that would have been fun. Um, I really, I want to do a lot more with Torchlight for sure, but I still want to do other companies as well. I know that most of the big companies have their generals coming up and like, January, February, March. What's the general? So the bigger companies do what's called a general audition. It's where you kind of go in and audition for the artistic director, almost just to be like, here's me. And if when you're planning your season, if there's anything I can fit into, I'd love to audition. So it's almost oh. like an introduction to the company. Cool. Uh, and then from that, they'll often call people in to audition specifically for specific roles like um, Christmas Carol or something at Vertigo or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I've, I haven't done generals in a long time and I know that there's quite a few different artistic directors since when I did my last round of generals. Uh, so I really want to go this coming January, February, March, uh, season, but challenges work like yeah gotta pay my bills man <laughs> and like you were saying right that flexibility of being able to go at a moment's notice or the next day or whatever or even if you get a job yeah. well a, a theater job in calgary is probably six to eight weeks wow. what do you do for the rest of the year if right. if if you have to quit your job to take it like you know so there's and me, I'm a thinker, so if I can't figure out the, the See, way. I'm lucky I get a wife, because I bet it all on black at any given moment. <laughs> if it wasn't for my wife yeah. and my kids, someone's like, I would risk the house, I would risk yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, but you've, you're you established, right? You got a good job, you own a house, you, you know, yeah. you're you a real adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled about being a real adult. I see these young actors out there, and I'm like, oh, I wish I was like you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out ways. Like, I'm looking at um, getting more into voice work. Yeah. I don't have a... Um, <clears throat> I don't... Excuse me. I don't have a, a commercial voice, so I'm, I don't have a great voice necessarily to, like, selling a product or... Yeah. Or even necessarily animation. I think I'd have to be a very specific character. But I've been told in my voice training that I have a very authoritative voice. Yeah, a very, sure. like, um, people could trust yeah. so you know corporate corporate documents i could reach <laughs> and uh corporate training videos i'd be gold on when i thought about voiceovers i thought about like a cartoon character and that was it i never yeah. thought about like reading the the local news yeah. or the like, what's coming up in the movies next yeah or, yeah. <laughs> yeah well I'm, I'm talking even like so there's corporations who um they have to do a presentation or something so they want to put it into a video and they need a narration of it so you're reading about fiscal year ends and, and the scissor lift goes up yeah. And you should yeah. watch your fingers and yeah, <laughs> please press this button. Yeah, and so apparently I have a good voice for stuff like that, like oh. kind of the dry or narration. Like um, yeah. I think I could maybe do like a documentary narration, Reading but I, a book. Yeah, like yeah. I actually I would love to get into the audiobooks, uh, yeah. and I I'm gonna take some training on that as well because I think a lot of people go, oh, I could just do it. I'm just gonna dive in, but there's some real specific intricacies to each style of voice work, just as there yeah. is with film acting and theater acting and everything. So. I wanna, I wanna get into it. I wanna do it. You can a lot of it. You can do from home. Yeah. Um, and then you'd have a bit more flexibility. And so I'm really looking at that so that I can 
one day be a full-time artist. I mean, yeah, I'm not getting any younger, so hopefully <laughs> sooner than later. <laughs> but um, you know what? I, um, we had a guy on here that was uh, a pro baseball player uh, a couple of podcasts ago, and, and we were talking about this, and like, you get to do it anyways. So mm-hmm. whether you do it full-time or not, you yeah. still get to do what you love. And yeah. um, not very many people make it to the you know, the Brad Pitt level, the yeah. Chris Pratt, yeah. the, you know, those levels. And it would be great to, to get a full-time gig as an actor or yeah. as a voiceover person. Like, yeah. how great would your life be that, you know, you get up in the you morning? You think. You think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure, yeah. yeah. E- even this, uh, I, I literally would do this nine hours a day. Yeah. I would never get tired of talking yeah. to people and, and hearing their story and listening to what they do. I, I truly love doing this. It's just a matter of building up the audience and the, mm-hmm. pro- uh, the sponsorship so that yeah. you can do it full time. And yeah. then you can be more open to acting and mm-hmm. to, to whatever else comes along. That's the dream though, right? Like for me, like I said, when I was younger, it was all about, I wanted to be famous in the blockbusters. But now yeah. it's like, older I want to be a full-time working artist like I want to make my mom's like careful what you wish for (laughs) because when you're a full-time working artist you're you're your own boss you have to make your own money you have to get your own job so you don't have that security of oh my paycheck's coming in it's all good so careful what you wish for but I feel (laughs) like I would I want to be a full-time working artist and if that means that yeah part of my income comes from corporate doc narration and part of it comes from film and part of it comes from acting and part yeah. of it comes from artistic directing at Torchlight Theater I'm fine with that yeah I find that if if the new avengers came out and was like Chelsea come come <laughs> be on it I'd be like okay yeah <laughs> but at the same time I my grand ambitions now are I have three movies that I've written that I want to make that's very cool and I want to be in them before I'm too old so what are I, the movies about um so one of them is called uh, Not Quite Nuclear. Okay. And it's about, i got to get better at my taglines, like those quick one-off elevator pitches, because this is going to take a while. Okay, it's um, okay. The, we got a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a story. So the story is about a brother and a sister. Uh, they're half brother and sister. Um, and the brother doesn't know that he has a sister, because his dad used to travel internationally and had a one-night fling with a lady, and has, so he has a sister. And the story starts with the sister coming home with her father's ashes to give them to the brother and be like, hi, I'm your sister. I'm your sister. Sorry about your dad, my dad. Uh, and it's just about them coming to terms with their father, their lives, meeting each other, Very and how cool. one had each other thinks that they had the father that they wanted. Yeah. Like uh, he had the really uh, strict dad who forced him to like pushed him to do things. Whereas she had the dad who was just so lovey and like flighty almost. Right. Yeah. Um, And so the difference between the siblings is that there's like 20 years difference. So you see the journey of the father through the children and the mistakes that they made and he tried to rectify it. And so they have to come to terms with who their father was realizing that he was both. Yeah, and so it's kind of this comedy dramedy kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and it's called not quite not quite nuclear because the nuclear family is one man, one woman, a girl, a boy, and a dog right. kind of. And so this yeah. is like not quite, not quite nuclear. <laughs> so that's that one. I have another one called My Pretty One. Yeah, which is um, obsession, abduction, repeat. That's like the tagline for it. Nice. Uh, that's a short film right now that I'm working on funding for that. If anyone wants to give money to that project, of $10,000, that's all I need. <laughs> um, and then the other one is called Faces, and that one's a period piece, takes place in 1939. And it's about uh, this girl who uh, 
her, her husband is murdered uh, right at the start of it, and then she meets his twin. Oh, and kind of wow. that that shock of meeting a family that she didn't it's know. Like a Black Mirror episode. I know. <laughs> uh, mine was first. I started writing it seven <laughs> years ago, so I win. But so there, and then I have more. Like I have the Master's Bride, and that's a period piece in Victorian England. And um, there's another one, uh, the light. I think it's called The Life After, and it's about a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. But not as in like you know you watch those and it's like. Oh, suddenly we're all eating each other's flesh because that's what's going to happen when when the digital <laughs> There's age. There's no other option. Yeah. There's no random roots growing out of the no. ground you could eat. Just people. Just people. <laughs> just people. And so with that one, I kind of want to focus a little bit more on, okay, yeah, there's definitely going to be some people who are not going to be very nice. Yeah. But there's going to be people who still have their humanity and how do they live and yeah. and kind of the desire to, mm. to get back home when technology's gone. Like yeah. when, because we live in such, and I don't, I'd have to look into this more. This is a very new one that I'm working on. But um, we live in such a digital age that even like water plants are now like um, power plants. They're, yeah. they're run on technology, right? Like yeah. I have a friend who I believe her grandfather was one of the last people who actually knew how to manually run the plant. Oh, wow. And he doesn't do it anymore because he doesn't train anyone because they don't do that anymore. Right. So what happens when those people have, have passed on and the new generation doesn't, they've never had to do it. And and so it's not that it can't be done. It's not that like the technology, the old technology is there, but we don't know. Yeah. So society will have to relearn. That's kind of the concept that I'm working with. And and just how you have to kind of relearn how to live without technology, like right. planes and boats and everything. Is. I heard a comic t- uh, talk about this. He's like, does anyone in the audience know how to fix a phone? Yeah. <laughs> or, or make a light bulb? Yeah. Like when all the light bulbs are broken, what are we going to do? Because yeah. there's no one here. To... <laughs> well, it's like that rotary phone thing with the cast member, yeah. right? Like. I mean, to me, I go, it's, well, it's simple, right? You just, this is how you do it. But if you've never seen it, you've never right. heard it, you never know anything about it, and no one's around to teach you, how you have you know? to relearn this stuff. You have to go to the museums and look at documents and look at, and you can't even watch old videos because the, that technology the doesn't work. Gone through, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the, it won't focus so heavily on that, but that's definitely an element of it. So oh, cool. So I have like, there's like, Two movies that I'm like, I need to make these now before I get too old. Um, <laughs> and, and you would be the lead? Maybe. I yeah. mean, when I wrote them originally, and this was a while ago, of course, of course, I'd be the lead. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm just, I want the stories made. And the older I get, I realize that I can't necessarily play those characters anymore. I'm getting too old. Yeah. You know, you can shift stuff around. But I have a big, my, my desire is that the story is... Um, the integrity of it is maintained as opposed to like, no, I will play that character because it's made for me. But yeah, but you're like 20 years too old and it doesn't really work with the story. I don't yeah. like that. I don't want to force myself into something if it's not right for the story. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, yes. That, that was a really long <laughs> answer <laughs> for that. But, but that's now more of my passion. And that's challenging because... Um, unless you have a wealthy benefactor, legitimately, yeah. there's not a lot of funding for indie. There's there's some really great funding for bigger productions and stuff. So as far as like the indie stuff and the independent films, and you have to 
you really have to know people and you really have to be a go-getter and figuring out how to find the money and figuring out how to do it on the cheap but still maintain the quality. Yeah. I, I You know, it's no different than any other business because when we were trying to grow our renovation business, yep. we were, you know, how do you get someone to buy an apartment block yep. and that you can renovate and make some extra money off it, not just the work and yeah. stuff like that. And you get to meet people. And a guy said, if you can find an apartment block, I got $4.5 million that I'll invest. <sighs> yeah. I couldn't find an apartment block to yeah. buy. So like you get a benefactor yeah. and then the product's not there. And so... Well, tell him you have someone who wants to make a film because <laughs> I could make the film tomorrow. I actually, I'm, I might try to get a hold of that guy again. He's super, super interesting and he loves live theater. And, oh, cool. And so he owned um, the company called Coverall. So they used to do those really big material buildings. Oh, okay. Um, like circus tent type stuff. There's uh, in High River, they have that big... Um, I think it's the butchering plant that's out there and the, the oh. offices are all inside of the soccer dome, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He oh, sold yeah. the business for, I think it was 60 or $65 million. He literally started, he was a pig farmer in Saskatchewan yeah. and started making these tents so he'd have a dry place to slaughter pigs. Yeah. And then it took off and he got bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, top 40, under 40 in wow. Canada. And a uh, brilliant guy, super fun to... Uh, talk to a uh, monkey's coming in to take pictures for us <laughs> um is this uh, my good side <laughs> he uh yeah so he, he i've got his number i know who he is and and uh he was the one that was going to help us uh mm-hmm. find an apartment block which we or fund the apartment block yeah. which we never got to do yeah but he's an amazing guy he's one of those people when you talk to him you buy into everything he's saying so wholeheartedly that you're scared like he could oh. get you to do stuff you don't want to do like yeah. he could be a cult leader if he was evil uh, he's not <laughs> which evil he's not all. evil he's at not all evil at all his wife is this very beautiful um phenomenal singer like just as i was renovating their home she's walking around and like Shania type voice that oh. would blow your mind as she's talking yeah. and singing. And so, yeah, they're just this amazing family. He sold the business for 60, like I said, I think it was $60 million. He owned the whole thing, mm-hmm. kept 5% of the business. So he sold 95% of the business for like $60 million. Yeah. And uh, five years later, it went bankrupt. <gasps> the people that took it, just big corporations, wow. didn't put the same effort in that... Uh, uh, that he did and yeah. it just drowned it. And you know, that happens, right? Because I think with, with some of these more startups or like the mom and pops or whatever, even with Torchlight, like no one puts as much work into that company as I do. Yeah. Like no one, like <laughs> people say, oh, it's your baby or it's a good thing you don't have a spouse because you can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, these are not good things. Like those are not good comments Yeah. because you, you, it means you're putting, I think it means you're almost putting too much into it. Right. Yeah. Like, but it takes that, I think to to get stuff agree. off the ground, right? And I think that when you have that kind of passion, that stuff that that's needed gets attracted to you. So yeah. if you had a spouse, they would be a benefit to Torchlight. Yeah. They would not take away from Torchlight or, or your ability. Yeah. They, they would be a good support. Shameless plug, I'm single. <laughs> exactly. I was going to do it. Oh. And you, you beat me by half a second. Oh, shameless plug, I'm single. <laughs> It's funny we because I know your your sister and your brother very yeah. well and and um, uh, most of your family yeah. and of course they talk about it too and, and <laughs> it, it's it's sad Chad it's this not, is sad it's it's, it's it's lovely I I love it but at the same time you're like oh I'm one of those people now sorry no, no <laughs> that's not where that's going <laughs> I have single friends and I'm like I get it you're supposed to be single and then I have friends like you and I was like oh, we gotta do something <laughs> like there's. there's 
the world is missing out, or yeah. men are missing out by not knowing you. So they are. They really are. <laughs> they are. Uh, no, and my friends say uh, they say to me all the time that well, you know, maybe maybe you're too picky. Like maybe your standards, and they don't mean it as like dope. lower your standards. But I mean, yeah. I I am happy single, yeah. you know, and and do I want to get married and have kids one day? Absolutely, but yeah. I'm not willing to settle no. because I think. I think a lot of relationships people have settled and then they end up not good or divorced or whatever. And I don't want that. If I'm going to get married, it's going to be someone who meets the expectations that I have. And I hope that I meet their expectations as well. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Okay. Okay. So for years and years and years, and still in lots of cultures around the world, people make arranged marriages work, Mm -hmm. right? No meaning. There's lots of cultures where they just show up and... I think about this all the time because when Ava was very little and uh, this is my daughter, um, we would meet little boys in her class and I'm like, I'd pick that one. <laughs> yeah, I'd pick him. <laughs> yeah, right? And and I thought about that at length and then other cultures and how they do this and it depends on what your heart is going into. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have a successful marriage? Because mm-hmm. no matter who it is, you can make that happen as yeah. long as they have the same mindset as you do, right? Yeah. Lots of arranged marriages I know don't work. Yeah. But yeah. lots of them did. Yeah. Lots of them yeah. did. Yeah, and actually my mom and I have actually talked about that. Not not like, mom, arrange yeah. a marriage for me. But like, <laughs> but like we've talked about like, you know, if if you had someone that you really trusted and you trusted who they trusted, yeah. I mean, I would not be opposed to it because I know my mom, she knows me. Like she knows yeah. you guys who I like. We're really close. We have the same beliefs. We have the same yeah. passions. And so if my mom was like, you know, I really think that this guy could be good for you. Yeah. I would definitely not say no. Put more effort yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have those reality shows on now, like the, I can't oh, remember what they're called. so gross. They're kind of gross, but then you watch them and you're like, some people, like the, the ones where they, when they meet, they marry, like yeah. instantly. Not oh, that I think that's legitimate those, or anything, but yeah. like. 90 day. 90 day bride or, ni- or I can't remember what they're called. But yeah. anyways, they basically meet, they're dressed up in their wedding outfits. They meet for the first time and it's like, do you or don't you? Yeah. And, and sometimes <laughs> they do. And then you see like 10 minutes later, she's crying in the bathroom because he's nothing like what she was hoping for. But yeah. then if you watch, and I've only watched one season, I swear. Okay, I swear. Sure, I, sure. I, I don't we really, believe you. I don't really. Millions <laughs> would. <laughs> anyways, you watch to the end of it and the ones that she was so heartbroken when she first met him, yeah. they're madly in love by the end because they had to force themselves past that physical attraction yeah. and say, do I like this person? Well, how could that moment not be the most stressful moment in your life? Oh my gosh. Right. Even if they were fantastic, I think I'd still cry. Right. Uh, that, that's what I'm getting yeah. at. It's like, I just, at my wedding, <laughs> I shouldn't probably say this, but um, my buddy, so Nicole's upstairs getting ready. We got married in her backyard mm-hmm. and we're, you know, sitting around having a beer, getting ready for the the whole thing going down. And my buddy of the blue looks at me and he's like, you nervous? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a little nervous. He goes, you want to leave? <laughs> Here's a good friend. <laughs> like, dude, I'll punch you in the face right now. Why would you put that down? He goes, I just want to make sure you're making the right decision. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, it's a little late now, yeah. you dill. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I made the right decision. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's it's a stressful moment. Yeah. Like it should be a stressful moment. You're making a commitment for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. Not for five years yeah. or 10 years or whatever the 50% divorce rate is. Yeah. It's a decision for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like it, lump it. You know what? Yeah. And that's what, like, I remember watching, there was a movie called uh, The River Wild with Meryl Streep mm. and David 
I can't remember his last name, but I love him. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> there's not a line. Not much. <laughs> yeah, watch. It's not even David. That'll be terrible. Uh, anyways, it, it's probably like a 90s, late 90s movie. Yeah. And it starts off with um, Meryl Streep's talking with her mom. And she's like, they're walking along. They're in the prairies and they're walking along the fence or whatever. And she's like, mom, I think my marriage is over. And her mom starts laughing. Yeah. And she's like, why are you laughing? He's like, she's like, because you think you have a choice. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I guess in the movie, the dad is um, mute and deaf. Okay. And uh, she's like, do you think with your father's bad temper and the obstacles we had that I wouldn't have chosen to leave? Yeah. She says, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something like this. It, you have to, I think, in my opinion, you need to look at a marriage as something that is a lifetime choice and that if stuff comes up, yeah, you have to figure it out because I think if you, I mean, there are situations absolutely that you don't stay yeah. like, and I'm not saying that, but in just an average relationship, um, I think that you, you find that struggle and you go, Oh, I want to be out and you think something new will come along and yeah. it'll be better. But if you can't learn how to problem solve and fight through something with one person, what makes you think you can do it with another? That's a hundred percent it. Yeah. I know, uh, I didn't get married till my thirties and <coughs> dated lots of people throughout that time. And, and, uh, there's lots where I'd be dating. And I'm like, never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, then nope. there was, and there was others where I went, Oh, this could be the one. Yeah. And she went, never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so well, you know. yeah, you, you, you get it on both sides, right? Like yeah. you, you're not always everything that you think you are yeah. um, and vice versa. But, uh, I knew when I met Nicole that she was the one for me. And then my decision at that time was whatever it takes, no matter oh, how mad okay. she yeah. is, no matter yeah. how, you know, and I'm sure there's lines in the sand, but yeah. we haven't found them. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And I think from my perspective, um, I watch family, friends, relationships and stuff, and you just see the cycles that they go through. Like yeah. you, you can see when, okay, they're in a rough patch right now because yeah. you can just feel how they talk to each other. And then you see, oh, they got through it. And like that, that is cyclical and that's going to happen in every relationship. And, yeah. and I find it so interesting with some of the older friends that I have who are maybe in their fifties or sixties, they've almost, they've gotten passed through some of that cyclical stuff. And now they're in like, it's good zone because yeah. you're with your best friend and you respect them. And, yeah. and I know that doesn't, I know it's not always the case, but I look at that and there's a part of me, it's like, man, I look forward to being 80 years old, <laughs> sitting in a hammock with my husband uh, because yeah. you made it, you yeah. know? Um, we're doing the Dave Ramsey financial freedom. Mm -hmm. We're facilitating it and we've done it before. And one of the, the parts of it is you got to write down your goals. And so I talk about mine all the time. Like I, I have thousand of them and I'm always moving towards them. And my wife is, I don't want to use the word simple because that's not the right way to describe it, but she's just very, um, it's just not a lot of work. She doesn't. She doesn't need a lot. Yeah. So her dreams aren't as high as mine or as ambitious, maybe. maybe? Or I don't even she's know. That's even not the right ambitious. Word. She's just satisfied. Yeah. That's content. the word. Yeah, yeah. content. And uh, so we're writing down so we can share our dreams. And I've got like a page and a half of stuff going down. And she's just like, well, just financial security. That's all I need. I'm like, that's it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Don't you want to have a fancy car? Or yeah. you know, don't yeah. you want to have a certain body? Or don't you like? I've yeah. got. Everything, mind, body, spirit, yeah. soul. I've yeah. got something designed for down yeah. the road. And a Bronco. And, and a yeah. Mustang. And, and a then I'll get this. Well, it's <laughs> exactly. the same as me. Like I've had um, my brother said to me once, he's like, man, it must be nice to know exactly what you want. And I said, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Like yeah. it's all perspective, right? Like 
there are some people who they're completely satisfied with the, with the status quo or, or they, maybe not, that's not the right way to go to the story. It's, um, they can't, they don't have a dream. So they're like, Oh, I don't know what I want to do. You know, like, so they have that unsatisfaction with, Oh, I don't know what I want to do. And then there's people maybe more like me who I have so many things that I want to do and it's like, Oh, how am I going to do it? So it's all about perspective, right? Like, one way is not better than the other way. It's just how you look at it and how you handle it. But I'm the same as you. Like yeah. I have uh, novels to write, films to make, theater company. I'd like to get married and have children, but I also want to have a ranch with horses. I want to learn the violin and, and like I have a violin home. I want to get back oh, to piano and painting and drawing. And like, and I know that there, I read this book. I think I've mentioned it before. It's called Essentialism. Hmm. And it's like, Ooh, it sounds so nice, minimal and like less. <laughs> and, and I get it. Like yeah. I get it. But what happens if everything is on the same level and you can't figure out what to let go? Yeah. Like in the book, it talks about how if you're giving, if you have 10 things to do and you can only give 10%, then you're only doing the job 10%. Yeah. You want to get rid of the nine and do 100% on the one thing and it's more satisfying. But what's that one thing? What if there is no one thing? Right. Like for me to say, okay, I'm just going to do Torchlight. I'll never do film. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like in my heart kind of. I, and I couldn't agree with you more that I just had this discussion on the weekend is that I have so many passions and things that I want to yeah. do. And I literally could fill up 48 hours in a day of things to do. Yep. And whatever is available, that's what I do. So, mm-hmm. you know, the podcast is available. So where I'm going to podcast as yep. much as I possibly can. And it's eating up too much time that I can't get to martial arts right now. But yeah. I, I want to get yeah. my black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And I, I want to do all these things. And it's just whatever I'm most passionate of, what's working, that's yeah what i do yeah. and i'm okay with it yeah. like everyone's like you you do too much and i'm like no I, it's not too much yet yeah i haven't hit it i can still do it i can mm-hmm. still push through i fell asleep driving home on sunday <gasps> oh my gosh for half, half a second my head went, and, went oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the adrenaline <laughs> rush is like whoa <laughs> yeah. then i knew and it was a combination of not feeling well yeah. and, and not sleeping and and then moving and yeah. a bunch of stuff that, that that's all it was yeah. but everyone's freaking out like oh you, you you gotta be careful i'm like i'm good i know that i'm yeah. good that it's well even people who don't do anything do that you know what i mean Probably more so. More so, so yeah. <laughs> I have six things that I've always got on my plate to do, so yeah. I'm like, just get it done. Just yeah. keep plowing keep, keep, through, going. keep going. Don't stop yeah. moving. What is it, Dory? In just the, keep swimming. Yeah, just, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. I think of that all the time. <laughs> but I'm the same way. Like right now, so we're we're three weeks away from tech week. Mm-hmm. So we're like, basically, we're three weeks away from like when the stress things hits. get real. Yeah. The stress <laughs> hits. Come on now. It's been like two months of the stress hits. But... I I was I have to be at the Polaris Center for rehearsals every night because I have the key and I'm kind of the supervisor yeah. there. So I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I'll have all this time. I can work on my novel because I have a novel that I've been writing for eight years. <laughs> and I was like, I'll get it done because I'm so close. I got like three chapters left to write. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'll get that done. I'll get the, the second draft of my script. And this is going to be great. I'm going to be so productive. Well, no, because Torchlight is taken every waking second of my life. Right. Even the non-waking seconds. I'm <laughs> dreaming about stuff. But so there's this, there's a hunger. It's like, well, I can't not do that. Yeah. But I have to do this. You're always trying to like barter with yourself. Okay, well, right. maybe I'll just, I'll just sneak this in and I won't do that. But no, I have to do that. So I, I hate it and I love it because yeah. I feel like if I can actually do the yeah. things that I have set out in my head to do, oh. Yeah. Well, we did it tonight. We literally, um, 
I got home from work a little bit later than I expected. Mm-hmm. I had to get things organized. The recording I did last night, I hadn't uploaded it or downloaded it to my computer yet. Yep. So I have to free up the software. So I started doing that. And then Eric comes down. He's like, oh, I don't like the lighting in here. I'm like, I know I haven't liked the light. Well, let's try this. And so we start running around, putting lights everywhere and yeah. moving the studio and changing. And it's fine. You walk in as I'm taping yeah. down the last of the wires yeah. and like, all right, let's yep. start recording. Yep. And off we go. And I was eight minutes early. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize yeah. it. I, I could have spent more time taping. I know. You had eight minutes. <laughs> I know. All, this, all this time. But I love it. Like, uh, people know from the podcast that I grew up very ignorant. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really have any drive or passion, and it's all coming out now. So, yeah. yeah if, if, when I'm done here, uh, it's eight o'clock now. Um, I'll go do something else for the podcast or for work yeah. tomorrow yeah. or for the kids. Like if they said, hey, let's go shopping. I'm like, okay, let's go shopping. Mm-hmm. We'll get it done. Yeah, we'll get it in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the great thing too is uh, to realize, like I was saying before, oh, I, I, I got to do it before I get too old or yeah. whatever. And, <laughs> and that's always in my head, right? But but I, I remember when I was in college, um, I wanted to, I was, in, I finished my first year and I was thinking of, it was like a one year program that I was doing and I was deciding, do I want to put that into a four year degree or do I want to just quit? And so in my head, I was like, no, I want to stop because I'm, I'll waste so much time and I'll be so old being 25 <laughs> years old or whatever. Right. Like, cause someone was like, well, you know, you finish this four year program and then you would go on and do another three year program. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'll be 25 and I'll be so old. And I remember that was just so strong in my mind. And then I remember when I was, even now I look back thinking, oh, you could have been 30 and you would have still been so young. Yeah. So I try to remind myself that when you're 65 years old, you're going to look back at being 35 and go, but you were so young. Right. So I'm trying to, I have all these things I want to do and I have this fear in the back of my head saying, you're getting too old, you're getting too old. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I, I use great skincare products. <laughs> I look fantastic, but but I'm not too old. And so... So there are some things that like, you know, horseback riding. Well, okay, maybe that I'll do that later because I don't have the time, but I'll do it. Yeah. But maybe right now it's about Torchlight or right now it's about my films or something. So I just put it in the file in the back of my head and I think about it all the time and like, where am I going to train when I get time to train and uh, who am I going to partner with? Who am I going to invite? And so I always have those files that pop open every once in a while. You make some notes and you stuck it back there. And And then you see the $60 million lottery and you're like, ooh, (laughs) what would I do if I won that? Probably about three times a year I'll go and buy tickets. Weekly. Yeah. I'm a weekly ticket buyer. Are you really? I can't do it. I, I I just don't believe in it enough. But every once in a while, I'm like, it's God telling me I should go buy <laughs> <Yeah>. a ticket. <laughs> Those are the numbers I should pick. Yeah. yeah. I just think like, do do I, I shouldn't say I don't expect to win because I think I deep down inside I do expect to win. Yeah. But you can't win if you don't have a ticket. Sure and I enough. will take 1 million. I will take 60 million. I really don't care. I will right. take 100,000 on the extra. Okay. Let's play this game. You get $6 million. Okay. What are you going to do? Uh, 10% tithe. Yeah. Six hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, and I'd give money to my family, some of my family. I'd clear the debt that I'm responsible for. I'd probably get a new car because my car is crap in the snow. <laughs> um, I would definitely put probably a million, two million towards film projects so that yeah. I could kind of create a career for myself. I'd yeah. give a little bit to Torchlight. I'd definitely do some giving and stuff, uh, and then I would probably blow like five hundred thousand dollars just on whatever I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. What would five hundred thousand? What would you? Buy? That seems like so much to blow. Well, I mean, blow for me is like by my, like I, there's this, 
these homes on the east side. Yeah. <laughs> People who live there, if they're listening, they're going to be like, wait, that's my home. But they have like the dormers, the dormer yeah. windows. Yeah. There's like 10 in Airdrie. Okay. And I want one. <laughs> so I'm like waiting. Like well, now I'm waiting for nothing because I don't yeah. have the money to buy them. But if I had that, I'd be waiting for like that. Okay. And so that would be like $350,000. To me, that would be like blowing. Blowing money. It's not blowing because you're investing in a property, but yeah. it's not It's not just frivolously be like, oh, go out and get drugs and whatever. Like not like that. But like I would try. Travel. That'd be fun too, though. Oh, f- no, <laughs> <laughs> no, Chad. Okay, sorry. Um, I would travel. Yeah, totally would travel. I would get. I. I uh, I wouldn't really get a crazy souped-up car. I'd have like good winter tires on my car. <laughs> That's important. I can't believe you're staying in Canada with six million dollars. My family's here, though, right? Like, and I, Take I'm them with you. But that's why I would travel. Yeah. Like, I, I love being here i'm i love being canadian and i love where i live and and there there is no place like home really like i mean i would love to go and live in new york for a year and love to live in london for a year in tuscany and all that stuff but i think i would always have a bit of a pull back here yeah um i love the mountains i love the prairies so here's kind of nice when it gets crappy like today which was minor crappy i'd travel away yeah i'd go to hawaii (laughs) to my private villa or whatever (laughs) for sure but um that's definitely i would probably consider having a a snowbird kind of getaway for sure i i i harass about getting out of canada but part of my dreams is to have um my studio here to have a theater here to have my gym like a large compound that does all the stuff that i like to have my family close and um you know i would design my life in a way that i never have to do anything that i don't want to do and i even like my job but i would still probably quit my job um just so i could you know Get up in the morning, go do martial arts for yeah. three hours, or yeah. have my ten favorite people I do martial arts yeah. with, and we just have a class every yeah. morning. Well, even if you have a fantastic job, like I have a good job, I, I work with great people. My bosses are fantastic, but I love art, and that job yeah. takes me away from my time to do art mm-hmm. and my time to do those things. That's so it's it. not that it's a bad job; it's just that it's not yeah. my best. It's not my passion. Yeah. I, I work my job like it's a passion because that's how you keep your job. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> right? love it so much. Yeah. But if you put $6 million in my bank, it'd be like, all right, guys, what do you yeah. need? You got 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you everything I can, yeah. set you up whatever way. Exactly. But I'm done in 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If I won, oh, $6 million. Yeah. It's funny. We have a, a lotto pool at work. I okay. think there's like 11 of us right now. And um, <laughs> one of the guys was like, I had a dreamy one tomorrow. And I was like, oh, please let that be a sign. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're everyone's the same way, right? Like, yeah. I think things are a little bit, the economy's a little tough right now where we live. And and doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. Like, it's just an interesting time to live in Alberta, live in Canada. Yeah. And everyone's dreaming about escaping. or And it's not even that they're trying to escape their life, but just that release, you know? Yeah. Like, I think coming, if you won $6 million, $60 million, I think they're... <clears throat> excuse me i think there's a world of problems that you don't even not not that you necessarily would have them but that yeah. could happen oh, right yeah. that you don't know anything about how many family members would come knocking out of the woodworks <laughs> oh my gosh you know what i would do with that i would set up a fund yeah to be like great put your request into the fund the maximum is x amount of dollars and yeah. if it's a good request then well, i do that now because i plan my tithing i i know we're all so when people came can you donate 
Sorry, you should have came last month because yeah. I, I pre-planned my year. Yeah. I know where all my money's going for yeah. the year. Yeah. And that's so, that's actually what Torchlight's hitting right now because because we came into the um the fundraising, I guess, late in the season because we just found out in August that yeah, we were good to go. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the businesses are like, "Oh, we'd love to help, but we've hit it." And I I know some people are like, "100 bucks. Just give 100 bucks." I'm like, "Yeah, but if if every person that came and said, Oh, just give me a hundred bucks. They'd, they'd blow their budget three exactly. times over, right? Yeah. So I completely understand when they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. We've maxed our budget. Yeah. Um, come I back had, in, the, in the spring. I had, and I won't call out the organization, but I had a nonprofit come to the door asking for money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was for kids. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, sorry, we, we've already decided where all the donations. And he's kind of like, how much do you really donate? Like this attitude, and I'm like, well, I'll tell you, yeah, I do a thousand dollars a month. That's yeah. what I'm doing right now. And uh, he's like, you do what? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I plan to give away a thousand dollars every month. Yeah, and it's pre-planned, so don't be rolling your eyes at yeah, me. Yeah, don't buddy. judge. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I'm sure lots of people lied to those door-to-door oh. guys. It, that's got to be the. <laughs> the, the Actually, I don't like. I'm broke, so I, uh, when I say I can't, it's like legit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it's important to give. I think it's, it's, it's got to be the first thing yeah. that you do, and so I pre-plan it. Yeah, like, I know where it's all going. So yeah. don't come and bug me about it because yeah. you know if I give something else, I got to steal it from my kids' clothes. Steal from or, Peter to pay Paul, kind of thing, that's right? It. Yeah. yeah, I, um, I love where we are now. That way, where it's so dictated what we do yeah. that you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I have, like, I have my tithe, of course, and then I have my, uh, I do children's sponsorship. So I have, I think I have two kids that I'm sponsoring. And, and then I have, like, a little bit of, like, 20 to 30 bucks a month. And I'm like, okay, if something where happens. where do I want to give this? Or what's what's on my heart right now? And, yeah. and you know, maybe people think 20 to 30 isn't much. But if everyone just did 20 to 30 and did it, it adds up, right? Yeah. So, but, I mean, doing the fundraising, I, I get it, like... After you have so many no's, you're like, they're not being jerks. No. It's just the business. It's just the economy. It's just yeah. that way they're set up. It's timing. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, cool. I understand. It's fine. We are an hour and a half in. Okay. And I really got to pay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell everybody how they donate to Torchlight. Okay. Um, Torchlight Theater. So, if you go to torchlighttheater.ca, oh my gosh, don't go to .com. That's not us. <laughs> torchlighttheater.ca there is a donate button yeah it goes straight to paypal so you can definitely do that way paypal takes an enormous amount of money but it's fine if that's easy you can contact me directly uh my email's on the website yeah you can phone the phone numbers on the website uh you can pull me over on the side of the street and give me cash i take it (laughs) uh buy tickets though i mean come see the show i really want this to be good i mean our audience we have space for, I think, about 120 people. Nice. And it would be fantastic for the cast if yeah. they could have a full house, right? Because yeah. there's nothing worse than having like two people in the audience. I've done it before. <laughs> it stings a little bit. You still do it and you do a great job. And the audience yeah. usually is like, yeah, you're awesome. But um, come see the show. Uh, you can contact me, contact Chad. He can talk to I me. I can find you, yeah. Yeah, he knows where I live. I got a suggestion because you're not for profit, right? Yes. So everybody who has a birthday in November and December, I've already picked a charity to do this for. You can go on Facebook and pick a non-profit uh-huh. and uh, for your birthday instead of getting gifts, you can have it donated. Mm-hmm. So go on, pick Torchlight Theater, um, put on 2500 bucks, and see what you can do. Ooh, I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. I yeah. chose uh, Energy Power. So everyone yeah. go to my Facebook page. My birthday's coming up in like 
five days, six days, seven oh, days. Oh, happy it's birthday. really, really close. Yeah. Um, donate to um, Energy Power. So does it have to be uh, a birthday thing, like around your birthday that you do this this not-for-profit thing? Facebook just says, hey, your birthday's coming up. Do you want to fundraise for a not-profit? And I've seen a couple other people yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I have went, too. Um, Yeah, let's do it. And so I started thinking about it. And um, uh, Energy Power has been on my heart for mm-hmm. since I did the mm-hmm. podcast with um, Crystal Boys. Go listen to the podcast with Crystal Boys. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that has really been on my heart that uh, they need a home. They yeah. need some uh, donations to help the abused women here in town yeah. and so I've been thinking about some other fundraisers to do but that was the one that I did mm-hmm. but you can do it for any of them yeah. and uh, Facebook gives I think a majority if not all of it to the um, not profit yeah well there, there's um, uh, Black Friday's coming up and usually the Tuesday after Black Friday I think it's the Tuesday they call it Giving Tuesday I okay. think and so there's always a big push for sponsorships to different charities and stuff like that so yeah. that's coming up pretty soon cool so everyone go to the page mm-hmm. donate buy tickets yeah uh, and set up your facebook page colombo uh prescription murder prescription murder is what it's called but it's colombo it's colombo yeah awesome and yeah. it's in balzac so it's close for everybody calgary and airdrie yes stop Even complaining south Show calgary up. it's oh, easy to yeah. make that i drive past both every day yeah it's not a big deal um, even call me. I'll pick you up, take you to the show. Just yeah, buy tickets. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> all right, everybody. This is uh, I Want to Know. Thank you, Chelsea, for coming Thank on. Thank you. We'll post all of um, your links okay. on the podcast. And now we're going to go to outro. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over. <laughs>